Pastor Ed Taylor, on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Our hope is not wishful thinking. It's not maybe sometimes. We have a solid, steady, concrete, confident trust in Jesus Christ. And it keeps us alive. Oh, the whole world around us is falling apart. But we were born again to a living hope. Not a dying world. A living hope. We know that whatever happens around us, that it's not going to be our resolve and it's not going to be pulling up from our bootstraps. way we're going to get through any darkness, any difficulty is by living a born-again life in hope. There is hope for everything you see. This is amazing grace. This is There's not a lot you can be confident about in this world of ours. The stock market has its ups and downs, jobs come and go, our health may deteriorate, but there is something you can be sure of, and that is your salvation in Christ. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that believers are kept by the power of God. And when you come to realize that, it puts any doubts about your salvation to rest. Pastor Ed Taylor has framed today's talk around 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. Come back to Peter with me. You've been begotten again to what? A living hope. So now the new life leads toward hope. It leads toward hope. We have a living hope. We're not hoping for death. We're hoping for life. To be reunited with those that have gone before us. Our hope is not wishful thinking. It's not maybe sometimes. We have a solid, steady, concrete, confident trust in Jesus Christ. And it give, keeps us alive. Oh, the whole world around us is falling apart. But we were born again to a living hope. Not a dying world. A living hope. We know that whatever happens around us, that it's not going to be our resolve. And it's not going to be pulling up from our bootstraps. way we're going to get through any darkness, any difficulty, is by living a born-again life in hope. There is hope for everything you see. You're a, you're a living example. You are a living, breathing example of the hope of Jesus. Some of you are answered prayer. People have been praying for your salvation forever, and now what? You're saved. God answered the prayer. You're an answer to prayer. You, you are a living, the living hope of the resurrection. What's greater than the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? A dead man coming back to life. The power of Jesus rising again from the dead. The proof that he presents for everything that he said is true. Everything you're facing right now is not hopeless. Everything you're surrounded with is not hopeless. All the pressure and all the overwhelming baggage that's getting thrown upon your life is not hopeless. No matter what happens to you as Christians, you are living in hope. You know a better day's coming. And I don't just mean tomorrow. A better day's coming. A day where Jesus Christ will return and will make every right, every wrong right, and establish righteousness and holiness. That he'll overrule every decision of man 
and he'll make the crooked path straight. Our hope today leads us to a fulfilled hope in eternity. Look at verse 4. You were born again to a living hope, and then secondly, to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. There's an inheritance reserved in heaven for you. It's incorruptible. Moth, moths can't eat it. Rust can't destroy it. Thieves can't break in and steal it. It's incorruptible, imperishable. Your salvation is eternal. Those of you under great persecution, those of you that are running for your life, those of you that are scattered to the fearful, to the anxious, to the man that wants to give up, to the woman that wants to run away, to the kids that want to rebel. The Bible says that as a born-again believer, there's more to this life and that your inheritance is incorruptible. It's not going to fade away. It's reserved for you. It's still to be experienced. Notice verse 5. This is where we'll end today. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Of all that you've experienced and all that you've enjoyed, there's still more to experience in salvation. And along the way, I want you to notice, you are kept by the power of God. If you'd like to write in your Bible, circle that word kept. It's very important. You're kept. It's like you're a prized possession. And you are a kept man. And you are a kept woman. By who? By God. He's going to keep you close. And he's going to keep you saved. The word literally means to be guarded. That you're guarded by God. The word also can mean that you're in a fortress. In a high-walled fortress that the gates are locked. You are fortressed in. You are guarded by what? The power of your own works? Yes or no, church? No. Because some of you failed before you even, your feet even hit the floor today, getting out of bed. Already you had sinful thoughts in your head. So thank God you are not kept. Even today, we got a text, a question on the show today. Um, is there spiritual warfare in dreams? Yes. And so there you are having all these weird dreams because of things you were looking at and things you were into and now you can't even get a good night's sleep and warfare is there right on your bed. Are you kept because you get a good night's sleep? Yes or no, church? Kept by your own righteousness? Kept by the church you attend? By the religion you keep? You are kept, guarded, fortressed by what? The power of God. That should encourage you. That should keep you strong. You're elect. You're chosen. You have that sense of knowing that God loves you. You're born again. You're recipients of mercy, abundant mercy. You have a living hope. You know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. He's alive. You have an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's not defiled. You, it's never going to fade away. It's reserved for you in heaven. All of you have experienced in Christ, there's more to experience. And until then, you are kept by the power of God. Your salvation is safe and secure in Jesus Christ. This word kept has the picture of someone standing guard over our lives. The idea of a fortress is not an unusual picture in the Bible. Let me read to you a few verses. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
and the righteous run to it and are what? Safe. You are safe in the Lord. Psalm 91 verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him and I will set him on high because he's known my name. Psalm 125 verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surround his people from this time forth and forevermore. So the question is, are you saved? Are you secure? Are you elect? Are you born again? And to most everyone listening to me, the answer is yes. You, you happen to be in a place of great confidence right now, and it's easy for you to say yes. But don't, under, don't, don't underestimate the power of doubt, because a lot of people walk around with doubts of their salvation. Don't look down on them. Don't judge them. This is a place in the Bible you could take them to encourage them. Say, oh, I can't believe it. You're always doubting your salvation. That's just a weak spot in their lives. Those of us that are stronger in the faith are supposed to come alongside those that are weaker in faith. And you know, there are weaker brethren and weaker sisters. So you have somebody in your life that's always doubting their salvation, always fearful that they've lost it, that they've blown it. You just take them here and say, well, let's talk about you. And maybe you'll find out they've never been saved to begin with, and you can pray for them to receive Jesus right there. Maybe they've been doubting because they've never been born again. They go, what is born again? I don't know anything about being born again. You can take them where? Back to John chapter 3 and go through the whole thing because there's so much more than what Jesus said just in verse 3. So be careful with those that are more sensitive. Where to strengthen the weak. Not to be upset with them. And some people just have a sense of doubting their salvation. But I'm here to remind you that you don't need to doubt your salvation because you are kept, how? By the power of God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's everything beginning and end and everything in the middle. Let me show you what he, let's hear it from Jesus. Peter, where did he learn this? From Jesus. Why? Because he spent time with Jesus. So let me show you where he learned it. John chapter 10. Turn back with me in John chapter 10. I want you to leave here assured and confident of your salvation. And if you're not assured and confident of your salvation, I want to invite you to receive the Lord today. I want to invite you to come into relationship. Maybe you're in a time of much affliction. Maybe this is a time where you're ready to hear the word. Finally, this is it. The seriousness of life. You're like, man, I'm so scattered. I'm so beat up. I don't know what to do. I thought I was saved. I don't know. Well, today's the day that God wants to bring you to a place of salvation. And he wants you to receive him. He wants you to repent of your sins. And notice what he says here now in John chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep, check this out. This is so cool. As we've learned already, God's part, our part. Our part, receive the word. How do we receive the word? Faith comes by hearing according to Romans and hearing by the word of God. So here Jesus is tying this together. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. Again, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, I need you to circle this because it's important. When next to eternal, you can circle that word. And just put an arrow and say right next to it, not temporary. Jesus doesn't give temporary life. When you are born again, you are given what? Eternal life. Age abiding life, both in time and in substance. So I give them eternal life and they shall, and just in case you wonder how long eternal is, Jesus says, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, including yourself. That's why I believe. 
One of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I believe a true prodigal son and daughter is coming home. I believe that with all my heart. Why? Because nobody can snatch them out of the Father's hands. They can run away. They can walk away. They can wander away from the love of God. They can go play games in the world, live misery. You know, they can have a miserable life. They can be eating pig slop when they could be eating at the king's table. They can do a lot of bad, horrible things in the backsliding life, but they can't snatch themselves out of the Father's hands. They do, th- they do so as a miserable, backslidden believer. So when you pray for your prodigal kids, I know some of you might have even given up hope and faith right now. Don't give up hope and faith because if they're truly born again, they're coming back. Nobody's going to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Not even themselves. Not even they go, oh, I hate Christianity. I hate, you know, now the big popular thing in culture today is to deconstruct faith. That's the big thing. You know, a lot of popular Christian authors now, I've deconstructed my faith. And now at the end of deconstructing my faith, I don't believe in God anymore. It's interesting that nobody deconstructs their faith and becomes a stronger believer, getting rid of the flesh and getting rid of compromise and getting rid of cultural Christianity. Everyone that deconstructs their faith ends up turning their back on God. Well, that's only because they've come to a place where the weight of their own sin, they're no longer coming to the cross. They're no longer asking for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. They're letting the weight of this world and the weight of their own sin push them away from God. However, even those that are standing against God and going, I don't believe that, if they're truly born again, they're going to be kept by the power of God. As bad as it is, it could be worse if God wasn't keeping them by his power. And you go, well, what about the strong delusion? Strong delusion is going to come and people that thought they were believers are going to find out they weren't. They're going to find out they weren't born again. They're, they're going to find out that they had this cultural attitude and they were kind of playing church. And believe me, as a pastor, I've been around long enough. I see a lot of people playing church. I see a lot of people. I mean, as I think through, as I've been praying just through this new season of our church, and I just think through the faces that have come through here, guys that I've served with, guys that I've trusted, families that have been trusted care here, guys that I've gone on the mission field with that aren't even walking with the Lord anymore. And you just have to think back. You're like, well, I don't know, Ed. Were they saved or not saved? I don't know. I just know they're not serving Jesus right now. And it's sad. You remember Jesus talked about the seed being sown? He doesn't tell how long it takes for the seed to be stolen away. And the cares of this world, we kind of think it happens right away. Well, we don't know how long it takes. I do know this. Through time and testing, that reveals a lot in a person's life. And if today you would say, well, Ed, I am born again. I repented of my sins. Then this is where you need to stay put. Jesus said, listen, you hear me, you follow me. You know those that follow Jesus. You know those that are truly born again because they hear Jesus and they follow him. And that's why one of the great concerns that I have about people that got used to not being in fellowship anymore is that's always, the gathering together is always just a sign and a symptom of a person's life. It's not everything. Being in a room like this is not the entirety of your Christian experience. You know that, right? It's 90 minutes. Or if I go a little over, 91 minutes. You know, it's just a few minutes of your life. This is preparation time. This is like a gymnasium where you build your faith. This is a time where you deal with things spiritually. This is a time where you're built up and you're strengthened to live the rest of your life outside of this room. But I can tell a lot of people by their regular attendance of church services, I can tell a lot about people by their regular service in their local church. Even though I don't have these facts, if I did have these facts, 
I could tell a lot about a family and a life by their giving of their tithes and offerings. I can see the level of commitment in their lives by the level of commitment that they demonstrate in the family of God. It's like anything. If you can't live out your faith in family, what makes you think you're going to live out in a hostile world? And so one of the concerns that I really have is greater than what's happening in the world today. My concern is for the flock of God that has started to develop some of the worst habits in their entire lives, and they're going to pay a big price for them because the things of God aren't that important anymore. And they've gotten used to it, and they let it slide. And one way to measure it, just one little way to measure it, is being in service, being with other believers, gathering together, praying for one another, Sharing the gospel, looking at the fruit of the Spirit, looking for the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said, if, you, if you're my sheep, you're going to hear my voice, and his voice doesn't sound like the world. Sometimes his voice doesn't sound like popular pastors and preachers either. There are those that speak on behalf of God that really aren't speaking on behalf of God at all. Remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' day? They had all the right words. They even used the Torah, the scrolls. But Jesus said, man, you tell people to do things that you're not even willing to do. You lay heavy burdens on, your, on people that you won't even carry. You have an appearance, Jesus, I'm all paraphrasing Matthew, maybe 25-ish or so. Uh, you, you have this appearance that you're so spiritual and righteous and you have all the right answers, but you're like full of dead men's bones. You're so far from God. You sit in Moses' seat of authority because you should sit in Moses' seat of authority. I made it for that. But then you tell people to do things that are completely the opposite of my heart. Jesus had to come on the scene and say to all the religious leaders of the day, and all the people, just the people that get hurt by this, and he had to tell them, you have heard it said, but I say to you. So who are you going to listen to? Sheep hear the voice of Jesus, and they follow him. And that may put you up against a popular pastor that you follow. It may put you up against me if I say something wrong. Look, if my voice doesn't match the voice of Jesus, you follow Jesus. You follow him. And you pray for me. You know, I don't think that brother sounds like Jesus. And then email me and tell me, you don't sound like Jesus. And I'll forward it to Ian and he'll answer you for me. <laughs> now, I mean, if I ever get that way, you follow the Lord. I'm not your shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd, a human one at that. The Lord is the one we listen to. He's the one we follow. It's going to make you look different maybe from your friends. They go to another church and they're doing this and they're doing, and you're like, why are you doing that? Because I heard from the Lord. That's why I heard from the Lord. You hear from the Lord? Yeah, I do. I actually do. I read the Bible. I hear what Jesus said. And Jesus said so many things that I want to live out of my life. And he says, if you hear him and follow him, you're going to receive eternal life. You're never going to perish. Nobody's going to snatch you out of their hands. And then he says in verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater. And no one's able to snatch them out of my father's hands because I, my father, and one. And at this, the Jews were excited. They give Jesus a big hug and say, we want to follow you. No, that's not what verse 31 is. It's not a popular message. The Jews took up stones again to kill him. That was the message of safety and security, the message of confidence and being kept by God, the message of the grace of God and the goodness of God that isn't dependent upon human effort. This was the message that said, you follow me, I'm going to keep you safe forever. You're going to have what Peter says, an incorruptible, unperishable inheritance reserved in heaven for you. 
You're going to make it through. Why? Because I'm going to keep you. And the response of the Jews were there. They wanted to kill him. Another reason. But for us that here, if we're truly born again, then we're safe and secure in Jesus Christ. An imperishable new life. To me, it's encouraging. Because it doesn't matter what you're facing. Remember Jesus spoke about, hey, even if, who, who are you more afraid of? Those that can destroy the body? Or those, the one that can destroy the body and the soul? Who are you more afraid of? Who gets more of your attention? Who gets more of your loyalty? Who gets more of your commitment? Who gets more? Is it the one that you're afraid that you're going to have temporary loss that's going to scatter you, that's going to hurt you, that's going to throw you in jail? Remember, they threw Paul in jail many, many times. And what did Paul say? I might be in jail, but the word of God is not chained. And you may get thrown in jail. You may have the hostility of this world come upon you. You may face it like Nero did like Nero did to these believers. I just want you to know, I want to say it very publicly, I believe the Bible more than I believe Smithsonian Magazine. The Bible has stood the test of time. And Nero was a wicked leader, ruling over with a wicked government. And Peter, the first thing he, right out of the gate says, guys, all that you're experiencing you're experiencing in the power of God. <laughs> you haven't left the power of God. This is it. This is Christianity 101. Things won't get easier. They're going to get harder. But it's okay. Because your eternity is secure. Everything is safe and secure in Jesus. So Father, we're just grateful that you would get us out the gate here with encouragement. The safety and security that we have by faith in you. And it's our desire to follow you, to cling to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We are safe and secure in Jesus. That's the great takeaway from today's lesson in 1 Peter. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, some listening right now may have been taught that they can lose their salvation. Would you address that concern as we close? Yeah, Larry, I think that the best way to look at this topic, and I shared in the Bible study, is what is the nature of salvation? The nature of salvation. What did God create? Is it, is it in our hands, or is it in His hands? Uh, is He sovereign, or is our free will take precedence? You know, when you start arguing on those areas, you forget that the very nature of salvation is eternal. It's even used that way numerous times eternal life, living with God eternally, living with surrounding, worshiping, surrounding the throne room of God eternally. And the same word that is used to describe God is the same word that's used to describe our salvation. So the longevity of salvation and the longevity of damnation, I know we don't want to talk about that much, but both, both are eternal, not temporary. And I think that it is an important doctrine to grasp for the sake of the timid, the fearful, and even our multiple failures going forward. It's not a doctrine, you know, the nature of salvation being e eternal is not a doctrine so that we could live however we want. That doesn't reflect the character and nature of Jesus inside of us. So for anyone that's like, well, you know, if I'm just saved forever, then I guess I can do whatever I want. Well, then maybe you're not saved at all because a saved person lives differently. Why does he live differently? Why does she live differently? Because she's born again. She's changed from the inside out. 
And it gives it gives us great comfort and encouragement to know that God's going to take care of us. We're kept by His power, not our good works. And it's just so encouraging to me. It's so super encouraging, especially in the midst of trials and difficulties and hardships, to know that the Lord is with us and we're kept safe and secure by His power. Thanks for those words of encouragement. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. We'll get back into First Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.